0: Hello there, and Happy New Year. It feels like 2018 is almost over, doesn't it? Well, we're right back at it again here with the Boots Off podcast. This is episode number three, and this month I invited an old high school pal of mine who has his own interesting perspective and experiences in life. He grew up as a Navy kid in a Filipino family, took One Direction, went to college in California, then he shifted gears completely and joined the enlisted aircrew world the 2 percenters by the way in the active duty air force now a few years later he's a reservist on a very different airframe with a very different set of wings and he moonlights at grad school though he's a very busy guy and i was very glad he could spare an hour of his time for me we do get a little bit off topic at times in this next hour but don't blame me that's just human conversation this is Mr. Senior Class President, Dom Panagalli. I'm
1: so sorry, we can't do it visually.
0: No, that's, that's fine. We'll do it the old school way where you didn't actually get to see the person.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> you <remember> those days? <laughs> yeah, we just had to call each other. What
0: were we thinking? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I find it funny now that we we text each other before we call each other, before we just call each other.
0: I don't even call people. I just go straight to FaceTime. (laughs) Just get them. I think it uh, irritates my dad because I just always FaceTime him in in the car, you know, if he's at dinner, you know. (laughs) Full FaceTime. Yeah, I don't even know what it's like just to not see somebody anymore
1: yeah. until now yeah, it's weird it's different it's different so
0: you're at school right now
1: yeah so today i this is kind of like my independent study day so uh i just come here right now i'm actually going to be studying for my check ride it's coming next week oh okay so yeah so i just take the time to go study here at school and there's like a private room so i said hey might as well just do the interview there
0: hey not an interview not an interview oh okay okay we just we just we just talk we don't make it all formal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interviews are formal. Even when I'm doing my job, you know, it, with the news, I'm, I tell people all the time, this is not an interview. Cause if
1: you say interview, it freaks people out.
0: Yeah. For some reason.
1: Okay. Okay. So how long have you been working on this project?
0: Um, this is episode number
1: three. Okay. Okay.
0: Started in November.
1: I took a look at the podcast and I think the one I saw was your trailer for it. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, um, the Christmas holiday, like the different like uh charities that you're yeah. talking for veterans. You
0: picked you picked the two short ones, right?
1: I yeah. I did. I saw the other one. <laughs> that, the first one was like fifty nine minutes. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a- <laughs> some later.
0: No, but you know people actually do sit and listen to these things. It's it's funny because, yeah. and that's part of the reason I wanted to do this was I was thinking if you listen to podcasts, we all listen to podcasts with like celebrities. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and health experts yeah. and fitness experts, life experts, you know? Yes. And it's yes. like, well, oh, why can't we talk to people about their military transitions, you know, and, and their time in the military? Let's talk to the more ordinary kind of people.
1: That's true.
0: That's true. And, uh, yeah, people actually do listen. So it, it's cool.
1: The last time I saw you was 2016. I believe you were transitioning from Yakota?
0: Transitioning, yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh well I remember you were you were having like kind of like uh a uh you're trying to your options, what you were gonna do. And I remember that that was the last time we spoke. You're either gonna go to DC or go back to the Midwest. So I saw you go you went back to Arizona.
0: I was in Japan working at AFN and you stopped in just on a flight mm-hmm. that you were working on. As a uh, C five, right? C five loadmaster.
1: Yeah, a C five load. Yeah,
0: And just uh, would pop in every now and then, and so <laughs> that was cool. We got to go out for uh, dinner. We had that awesome sushi place. Yeah. What did we went to for bagels or something, dude? Didn't we?
1: I think we saw each other on two different occasions. Maybe yeah. three. I think. Uh, you know what? Actually, yeah, we did because we did do sushi, and then the next time we had breakfast.
0: Right. Yeah. Because you were on a C-5 and it would keep breaking and there would be weather issues and whatnot. hmm mm-hmm. So always fun. I remember my C-130 days just yeah. hoping that we would break somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And that people didn't know how to fix it. <laughs>
1: like, What is this thing?
0: <laughs> and then, but, you know, there was one time we were really hopeful, yeah. or I was. I was like, yes, we're not going to have to fly today. Yeah. We have to stay here in this African place yeah staying in a resort and uh the flight engineer just took a helmet one of our flight helmets yeah and just banged it on the wall and it fixed the problem. <laughs> just a little, little kick. <laughs> That's all it was. Yeah. Just take a beating and it works. <laughs> so how you doing?
1: Mike I'm doing just fine. Um when we last saw each other, I hadn't started school yet. Uh, I started school uh, August of two thousand sixteen, so that kind of changed my schedule when it came to flying. So when, um, but yeah, that—that's. I started. I my schedule was flying before. I used to be. Um, they were. I was in orders. It's a little bit different for flying reservists.
0: You weren't always a
1: loadmaster. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't.
0: You actually. When I first. Found out you were going to exercise the option of enlisting. Mm-hmm. You were interested in criminal justice.
1: That's correct. So um, it, there's been a lot of like uh, crossroads in my life, and I went to college first. You know, I, came, I went to college right after high school here in Sacramento, and I was very interested in criminal justice. Everything about law. Criminology and whatnot. So I went to school here. Uh, Sac State, ha- i went mean, might be a little bit of a plug, but Sacramento State. It's very popular. It's a very competitive program. So I went there. Um, and we- our old friend, uh, Alex Landon, who is, at the- I believe he's retired Army now. Oh, not retired, I mean, <laughs> not, not, not retired. He's just but living the dream. <laughs> he- he's doing something else now when I last saw him. He's doing something else in Washington. But he was my connection there in Sac State, uh, Sacramento State, and uh, I went to school there. Um, I had the ambition to be a Navy officer. My dad was a Navy enlisted; he was a chief. Uh, sadly, I did not get picked up for the uh, officer candidate school. My package, what they said, wasn't competitive enough. Uh, was this to go so, into like
0: ROTC or?
1: Oh, it was. What? You know, I didn't do ROTC. I finished. I finished college, and then that's I. I'm going to be very open, I I didn't really prepare well enough for what happened after school and I I applied for jobs and my dad really pushed, why don't you do the military, you have a degree, let's go officer. So I didn't, I tried to apply for it. Um, Sadly I wasn't accepted. Um, At the time it was very competitive for officer candidate school for the Navy and um, the people they were selecting were people who were already professionals. In the civilian world. Ah. And and I was I was like 20, 21, and I was like, oh man, I, I probably just, I did part-time retail jobs when I was going to school. I used to work at the Navy Exchange, so it wasn't really competitive enough. So I just said, you know, why don't we enlist, but make tops, like clearance jobs a priority? And the recruiter, who was, she was actually, she did, she was pretty good. She was able to look for air crew kind of jobs and... I got I got a job up for, um, it was an Air, uh, airborne mission system specialist. Basically, I was a computer technician on the E3 Sentry, or what they call the AWACS, mm-hmm. with a big radar on top. That's what I got my job for. And I wasn't in the DEP program for a while. I was only like probably three or four months. I like, hey, man, we got you up for a job. So I left December 6, 2010 at night, and then December 7th is my my enlistment. That's when it began.
0: That's into the Air Force, though.
1: Yeah. I feel like we... In the Air Force. I
0: feel like we just jumped a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. So you you went to Sacramento State. You got your, your degree out of there, right? Four years at Sac State. Yes. What major? Criminal Justice. Criminal Justice. Then you tried to get into the Navy. Yeah. But they were looking for more professional, old, more mature... Uh, in the in the job, that, that's years, that's correct, right? Yes. So you just said, "All right, that's that's enough of that." Let's. What else can we do? What are yes. the other options? So you
1: went to you approached the Air Force, then. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, my they,
0: did they send you directly to the AWACS, like to that job?
1: Oh yes, yes. Um, you know, when you come into the enlistment office, you know, you list down to give you like a big. Uh, like a pamphlet, you look at jobs. And then I just listed down jobs that had secret clearance. So, mm-hmm. and uh, most of them were air, like, operational jobs. So, and that's the one I got picked up for.
0: Yeah, same with me. So I had, they gave me three options and I was like, okay, boom operator on a tanker, loadmaster, mm-hmm. And I believe another one was uh, air traffic controller. And I was like, yeah, these these are gonna be good. And then they selected me for a loadmaster, and I went guaranteed into that. But I thought there was a time when the recruiter was trying to tell you Oh yes. You could go into security, security forces, forces. And, and you can easily go become an officer and really just live the dream that
1: way. Thank you for reminding me about that, Mike. So yeah, I did because of my degree. He said, "Oh well, yeah, exactly. You can you can enlist those security forces, and then there's like just go to Ots and whatnot. It really fast. It sounded really is a very it, it sounded very uh, they're advertising it was really good at how she was, but you came in cause I, I remember I spoke to you right away because you were at the time you were a loadmaster, and I spoke to you I was like, hey man, this is what they're trying to do, and you're like, maybe give it a second glance, right? Maybe you don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a polite way to put it. <laughs> Take another." Take another look at what you have. So I said, okay, then why don't we shift the, the arrangement? Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 I'm grateful for coming to you before jumping right away into something that might have been different. Might have been not my
0: I'm so, so glad you uh, took that extra look. Yeah. There. Oh my god. And I
1: met a lot of people who retrained from security forces who became aircrew members, and it just is like night and day for them. And they were happy they made a transition to retrain and everything. so because it was it was a different it was a different work ethic.
0: Oh yeah, yeah
1: you know I was I was yeah.
0: sitting there in the dorms on Medina annex where they got the where they used to have at least I don't know if they still do the enlisted air crew school. Oh I was sitting there at the dorms yes. Oh, because yeah. I had had an issue in the uh, altitude chamber. I went in with some bad Texas allergies. Oh, okay. And had some had some ear issues. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was diniffed. I couldn't fly or anything. Couldn't train for several weeks. Yeah. But I was sitting there on MySpace, it must have been, chatting with Aaron Taylor. <laughs> yes. Yes. And <laughs> he was like, Oh, so my brother Jared, when I told him you went in the Air Force, he's like, Oh, you should have let me know, and I would have hooked him up with a TAC P job. <laughs> like, dude, do you not know who I am? <laughs> I would not, I would not work in TAC P. <laughs> At the time, that sounded really cool. Like, those are the guys with the secret missions and their
1: yeah. Uh, they
0: set things up parachuting from planes, like Mission Impossible or whatever. And
1: exactly, and they would set it's things. insane. Yeah,
0: I can't do that kind of stuff. But I was like, oh yeah, thanks for. Thanks for the offer, but no, <laughs> no <I'm okay>. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly fine with what I'm doing. You went AWACS. How was that?
1: Oh, you know, I I enjoyed it. Um, so people, but itself, you know, it was a different experience. It was a little bit more laid back in California. Um, but the people, they made it special for me. Uh, the people I trained with, we got really close. Um, the AWACS itself wasn't, a, it was... It was like, uh, it was an really, extraordinary experience. Uh, we went through, I didn't do a lot of TDYs. Um, most of the missions, you know, the, the loadmaster thing has been very unique to me because AWACS, we would just fly in the same area for hours on end, like 20 plus hours, just doing surveillance. That's what they do. And then you come back to your base. We wouldn't hop to different areas like Yokota or Spain. We wouldn't do stuff like that. So it was unique for me. Um, you say so, 20
0: hours that's not 20 hours in the air right that's like
1: oh no that's twenty. that's 20 hours
0: just not touching the ground just staying up in the sky
1: staying up in the sky uh we'd have, have three AR uh, three aerial refuelings. Yeah.
0: so so like flying over the Pacific is mm-hmm. nothing to you
1: no not at all and uh when I hear like other people like at other loadmasters you know they fly like uh, we would do direct to Yokota like we did, and not, that was like eleven to twelve, and it was grueling for a lot of people. But for me, I've just gotten used to it. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, um, like ten hours to Ramstein, I believe, and that, that's grueling yeah. enough, and people complain. They're very like, man, this is crazy. It's I was like, that's funny because that was that was our typical like ten hours. Like, wow, that was a quick mission. So. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. And what's it like inside? Like, Are you able to stretch out or is it pretty tight like you're flying in coach?
1: Oh, no, you're able to stretch out. Actually, when I fly commercial, I feel like I'm constricted because in the AWACS, once you get into cruise um, and everything, the systems are working. My job on the plane was to basically load up the computer system um, and all of the things that they need to do, all their secret stuff. And I just maintain it. If there's anything that goes wrong or the system goes wrong, then we have procedures to bring the system back up, restart it, change the memory, whatnot. Um, you're basically, I'm IT I was... guy in the sky. Exactly. Um, so if you remember, like, had Night Live, Nick Burns, that was a running joke. Jimmy um, Fallon's IT character, like, You're Welcome, yeah. that was the running joke. And <laughs> Basically, I was if, if I was basically stand, I was starting. I would always start like a land party, like those Warcraft land party type things. That was my job to start those big computer parties in the sky for everyone to do their job. And um, I was I did it for three years. So one year of training and then three years of flying.
0: So you said you didn't get to go TDY all that often, but did you get to actually take some pretty good trips?
1: I did. So um, I, I did an extended TDY or controversially a deployment down in the Caribbean. People, they always uh, tend the title, but I would call it extended TDY. We were there for about six months down in the Caribbean doing some uh, surveillance down there. And it was a very fun experience because we stayed in uh, Curacao and we did operations there. That was our base. So we fly around and then land back in Curacao. And during the downtime, you get to go to the beach the restaurants and whatnot so that was a very fun experience and then i did my two other i did about four and a half months in, in uh abu dhabi over there like over there in uae we did operations over there afghanistan um iraq and stuff we'd fly yeah. Over there yeah so that was uh those are a little bit shorter but those are more grueling missions those are actually like the real military stuff but uh those So it was because of the AWACS and they gave me a lot of flight hours, a lot of experience, confidence, and becoming an air crew member, and I'm very thankful. Sadly, I didn't want to stay any longer than I had to, and I I wanted to come back after my enlistment, you know, look for something else different. Right. Extend my, my, you know, extend my educational benefits.
0: So when we say that you were down in the Caribbean You know, flying around curacao Mm -hmm. and whatnot for surveillance—that's stuff that we can actually Mm -hmm. discuss, right? That's not like it's super sealed.
1: Super sealed. I have to. I'm. I apologize. I have to keep it pretty, like just very uh, vague.
0: Yeah, but but, like we can mention. We can mention what you've already said.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Exactly. AWACS is known to be the the big surveillance thing. It's like a big air traffic control in the sky, basically. So. That's what they do. Um, they they extend the eye bigger. They're they're actually AWACS is actually meant to be for uh, fighter pilot for fighter squadrons. Hmm. So the fight yeah that's what they that's why we were part of the um, air ACC the air combat command. Yep. That's what we were a part of. So we we assisted uh, fighter fighter pilots and whatnot. And, and then over there in the Middle East, that's what we were more active with fighters doing. Out their uh soldiers on the floor, on the ground that was your big thing
0: oh yeah all so. about communications exactly exactly you did a few years in the AWACS yes and decided to exit the active duty life yes that's correct but did you did you know what you were going to do though when you got out
1: well my intention right away because uh was to actually go to school what I'm doing right now that was my big thing to uh uh improve my resume and whatnot so I'll go back to school reap the benefits of the uh the va but in the same time and uh when i was going through when i was getting ready to leave probably uh my my fourth year when it was time to go um i didn't i spoke with my dad and other counselors uh they said that my dad said don't basically don't waste this experience you had in the middle, like the air crew, especially that job, your flight hours and whatnot. So, but I kept in touch with two other loadmasters masters when I was at, uh, at the time, now Lackland. It's, Lackland is now the air crew training area now. And I mm-hmm. met two people there who were gonna be reservists and they they were stationed in Travis. So I kept in touch with them often on when I was active duty. When the time came, I talked to them, hey man, what what does it take to get into your squadron if I want to retrain? And they right away, they gave me a phone number, and I had to apply to the job, just like a civilian job. I had to have a resume ready, come to the squadron in uh, civilian clothes, you know, just uh, neat and professional. And they're going to just question me if I'm ready to be, uh, if I'm accepted to be a loadmaster. Because I wanted something uh, to continue my secret clearance to keep that active. So when I do apply for jobs, which will be this year, uh, I like to add it, I add it to my resume, something for employers to see.
0: So then the process was just, it was just sort of having those con- those connections in the reserve already and they, they really helped you out.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's what I learned. Um, when I came to the squadron now that I'm in in Travis, uh, People didn't just walk; they weren't off the street. It was very—it was seldom to have some guy right off the street that they didn't know. It was always like, "Who do you know in the squadron?" Um, because it's almost like what they say—like it's like the best kept secret, and like your Preserver's loadmaster, because you get to fly on your own time. So you get to pick your schedule. Like active duty, you flew when they told you to fly. Like that, your name's on the board. Oh, yeah. You don't decide. But you know what, can I fly on like Friday? And you don't get, you just like, you're there. It has to be something, like, some circumstance, like, oh, I, I got the NIF or something that can change everything. But other than that, active duty was pretty grueling as a flyer. But reservists—they they cater to your schedule. But like if you can't fly on a certain time, it has to be, like, something crazy. But they never get to the point where they pressure people. It's, it's a very big, it's a very, like, independent program. People take care of their own stuff. If you want to fly, you let them know when you give them your schedule. So uh but yeah, I I it's I think we call it Palace Chase is when active duty you just blend right into reservists. There's no break in service. That's what I
0: uh, that's the uh so palace chase is when you can separate early, oh, early from active duty. Palace front. And Palace Palace Front is at the end of your enlistment. Yeah, it's just one day. Like January sixteenth, you are is your last day of active duty. Mm-hmm. January seventeenth is your first day of reserve, uh, reserve duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty seven June was my last day of active duty. Mm-hmm. Twenty eight June was my first day of my reserve contract. But then I didn't even go into the office. I didn't work with my unit until August or September. I had a couple months in between where I could ease into my civilian life and my civilian job. And and that was pretty nice. Did you have anything like that as well? You know, uh, yes.
1: I um, When I went to the uh, squadron, I didn't become a reservist until, like, January 10th. So there was, like, three weeks where I was just um, doing nothing. Um, so I was basically on vacation. And then when I came to Travis, um, they had to re-enlist me into the reserves so there was just a moment in time where there was there's a break but i i i came into the reserves uh january 16 17 but uh so and but i didn't do my first UTA oh actually no my first UTA was february of 2015 so
0: yeah, that makes sense yeah yeah so not not too much of a hassle then
1: not too much of a hassle and then my when I had to go back to tech school to do their loadmaster course, yeah, that was like after the first UTA, then March. We my me and another colleague of mine, we left together. Uh we actually drove back to San Antonio. Um and then we just got BAH and everything. Uh, I stayed over there at Kelly and just trained to be a loadmaster for the C five. And then
0: uh it was nearly a year, right?
1: Yeah, and they put you on orders for orders for training and then yeah, The orders must have lasted. I was from like 2015 all the way to for a year, yeah, for a year, mm-hmm. a year of orders. And then, uh, once that was finished, um, I blended, I went right to school. So, in the middle of while training, I was preparing my VA package. I don't know, the um, applying for school, going to Phoenix and everything that was happening at the same time.
0: So, back, back to active duty, what would you say was like. The most eye-opening thing, because you grew up military. We we all, both of us grew up military. Yes, that's correct. uh, Yeah, so we were sort of accustomed to the military life, Mm -hmm. but we weren't, you know, serving in uniform as as kids. So going into the Air Force, what was kind of an eye-opener for you?
1: Yeah. So as a military child, you know, being dependent, you know, we were just used to always seeing our you know our parents working. And in uniform, but not ask too many questions. We're just kind of just used to the environment. But going into the military, the Air Force, uh, which I'm very grateful for, I I learned a lot of waiting. Man, that's the first thing that pops in my head. Like just a lot of like waiting around for things to happen. Uh, Anticipation—that was a big feeling I got. Like you train really hard, um, and then you wait, uh, and that's something I learned. Learn to be more patient now in the military, uh, but at the same time, be cautious. Uh, I, I As growing up in the military, I just didn't really pay attention to that stuff. But now I'm more active and the military has kind of heightened my senses and made me more uh, aware of my surroundings. And hmm. yeah, so just waiting and being anticipated, those are the words It's very general, but at uh, the same time, I learned what it's like to be in like a you know like a a bureaucratic type of area. You know, there's a boss, you're an employee. Um, lots of bosses. Lots of bosses. You know, and uh, long hours. But it, it it made me tougher. It made me tougher.
0: I mean, you you look good too. You lost a lot of weight. When you oh, went in.
1: thank you. I you know I did. I kind of gained a little bit back.
0: Never brought that up, but I, I just I want to say like. It did. I think the military probably had a little bit of influence, and in your uh, your
1: fitness level. It did. You know, I'm really grateful for that, and uh, I might have gained a little bit back. Uh, I'm not as as trim. It, they always say basic training is the best you ever be in your life, I, and I believe that. Um, but I'm I'm very grateful because you of know, the fitness programs and keeping yourself active. I, I, I when I was younger, I was always overweight. and and I didn't think about it until i guess when I was in college, you just i just ate I just ate things I didn't think about it, and the military kind of get you know kept me aware about that, and it made me happy because now I can run, you know that was my biggest fear when I was younger I cannot run like p e class I'd struggle, even in football practice, man, I was just like i was thank i was just I'm used to getting hit and stuff, but that running part, like the one mile run. At the end, I made me scared. I I used to see you just fly by. I was like, man, I wish I could at least keep up. I don't have to be the fastest guy, but I don't want to stop. I I, I used to run and then walk, but now I'm I'm a lot more confident. And um, but I'm I might not be uh, the fitness guru, but at the same time, I feel more confident. And the military brought that to
0: me. I mean, you've always had a very good personality, very positive. At least on the outside, I don't know what's happening inside your head. Yeah, but I—I I never saw you as someone who would get very impatient or anything like that. Um, so I figured you would do well in anything you did. For our senior year, you were the president, the class president. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were—you were a well-rounded person, I never stabbing anyone in the back like like some people either. So that's that's good to bring into the military.
1: <laughs> well, I had good, I had good friends, Mike. I had good friends. You know, it's it, it's funny. Um, it was funny during one of my TDYs. Actually, it was the one with when I saw you. We were going to Kadena after Yokota, and we broke there. And I saw Miss Falls in the commissary because she's stationed there with Mister Falls. Oh wow! Yes, yeah, Mister Falls is a doctor now. So he was a once a pilot, is, yeah. and And uh, so he's Doctor Falls now. But it was funny, like you know, just seeing her and it was like a culmination of everything military high school everything and it was it was a great seeing her again i told her i just saw mike yesterday and she just she just laughed so hard and uh that was good and it my 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 crew was like who are you talking to i was like oh that's my my teacher when i used to live in italy <laughs> and it it, it sounded so crazy because a lot of the guys in the military that in my squadron they grew up here in california in the states but when oh yeah she used to be my, my teacher my teacher in italy they were so confused, like, okay, what, where are you from? Like that. So, just moving around and traveling, it, it's almost second nature. Like, some people are amazed, but for me, like, oh, we're going to go to Kadena, cool. Like that. I do enjoy it though, but it's uh, it's not always, uh, it's just, it's almost like uh, our way of life.
0: Yeah, we seem to know somebody just about everywhere.
1: We went to Guam after Kadena, and then uh, I used to live in Guam before Italy. I was there for my middle school days and i ran into a friend who was at the bar he was performing reggae music i said matt he's like what? "Dom." yeah his name was matt the and he, he plays reggae music at the, the downtown club and we happened to be staying at a hotel down at that time in guam and i went there and said "Matt the blonde said dom how are you i keep in touch with him on facebook but seeing each other in person it had been more it's been more than 10 years so it was fun he um but he was busy at the time, so we didn't have dinner, but it was good seeing them. But it just showed like how 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 far we've gone as military children, like we're all spread out. There's always somebody we know somewhere.
0: So I was in Afghanistan, uh twenty the end of twenty thirteen to the beginning of twenty fourteen. And yes. AFN, so I was working there as a broadcast journalist, just reporting stories from around the entire country. Yes. We had technicians as well that worked with us Uh and you know just in case things broke they needed to fix something right so yeah yeah. i was over there in afghanistan with some sailors some marines some soldiers and other airmen and then fast forward skip to 2017 it's uh late summer and i am in san diego with my, th- with okay. my family and yeah we just walk into the zoo we didn't plan everything out too much but we were like yeah we'll go to the zoo tomorrow morning so we went mm-hmm. and got tickets through ITT and went to the zoo that morning and I walk into the gate and just to my left I see a guy there in a navy uniform yeah and, like, he looks at me at the exact same time, and we're like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing here? Like, this was the guy <laughs> that I was deployed with in 2013, yeah. and I just see him inside the gate at the San Diego Zoo uh, while I'm on vacation with my family. Yeah. That was insane, right? <laughs> That's and he was like, yeah, we're just here for the... For a few hours, you know, we got some time off the ship, so we thought we'd go to yeah. the zoo. And he might have been there for—I uh, think it was someone else's reenlistment. It might have been his though. I don't know.
1: They do it a lot there, reenlistments in the zoo. I see that often. I hear about that.
0: Yeah, I was just—it was so bizarre. But then I—I <laughs> I, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, this isn't that out of the ordinary. I see people all the time. <laughs> yeah. Just—it's a- my past.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it's like being in the military. It's almost like we're in a. There's another world too. Like there's the big world, and then we have that world too, where we see each other. Like hey, hey, like I, said, I remember you. you know? Yeah. When did you go to San Diego? By the way, I know it's off. It's off. Uh, um. Topic.
0: We were there like back in September or so.
1: Oh okay. Yeah, I just came back from uh there. I have a girlfriend. I have a girlfriend now, Mike. I didn't. I didn't tell you yet. I have a girlfriend
0: now. Look at that. I did. I
1: did. I am. And we went to San Diego as well.
0: That's it. Yeah, we were there. We did a a day on the beach. We did a day at the zoo and in the city, and then we went up to um, to Anaheim. Oh, okay. And Disneyland. Yep, Disneyland. uh, A couple days there. (laughs) By the way, Irvine, California. You've probably been there. You've got this little yeah. sort of a Japanese-Asian center in Irvine. Yeah. Where oh, there's yeah. A Coco's Curry is right there. There's, oh. a, there's a pepper lunch there, a Japanese bakery right there. There's a Kona coffee. Oh. That place is – it's the place to go. If it wasn't so expensive, I'd be moving out there tomorrow.
1: <laughs> you know what? I heard about Coco Curry down in SoCal. I didn't know where it was, though. I was like, what do you have cocos here?" So, oh man.
0: Well, they're actually spread out. They have a lot more than I thought they did initially. There oh, okay. are cocos all all over California.
1: Oh man. Okay. So just I don't think there's get some today. I know there's a pepper. I've heard my my sister told me about a pepper lunch. It's over here by near San Jose. So it's about a ninety minute drive, but she said there's a pepper lunch. So. I was like, oh, okay. Pepper lunch is good, too. I never tried it, so I saw pictures of it. It looks very, very tasty.
0: Um, oh, yeah, they just bring it out. It's rice with uh, some vegetables. Not too much vegetables. I mean, there's more meat on there, <laughs> but they give you this, like a like a fajita skillet, you know, of raw meat and some rice and corn yeah. and, and sauce mm-hmm. and pepper all over that stuff. That's why it's pepper lunch. And then it just cooks. You stir it up, and it, it cooks. It's like a hot plate. It is good. Okay. Very hot. Okay. Very hot. Okay. But yeah, that's good stuff. Head down to Irvine when you when you get some time. I know it's it's kind of a far drive from it's like Northern probably, California.
1: Probably six hours. Yeah.
0: California is so big.
1: Yeah. It's a like, it's long. Yeah. <laughs> it's not wide, it's long. Yeah, <laughs>
0: kind of like, I mean Texas is just massive itself, but We could travel Texas anytime. Like we were up in the middle of nowhere in Abilene and San Angelo, and we would just drive down to San Antonio or Houston, Austin, Mm -hmm. head up to Dallas. Not a big deal. But California, it's just you have a Mm -hmm. long drive if you want to get from the north to the south. Yeah,
1: it's from Sacramento to San, um, San Diego. It's like eight hours, but then traffic makes it longer if you get hung up in the rush hour time. Um, you can get hung up there nine hours drive almost ten hour drive
0: well you should probably you should think about getting your pilot's license <laughs> yeah you just make some make some day flights down there
1: <laughs> yeah I have a SESTA the small planes the spyware there yeah yeah oh man I got a question by the way what do yes. you do what do you do in the reserves is it the same thing like AFN like the broadcasting stuff
0: Uh, pretty much so we are public affairs okay. and protocol um oh okay protocol is a pretty simple task when you're just there to help set up a stage and the flags and podium and all that okay and then i run the soundboard when we need a soundboard so it's it's not that daunting Uh, but then the rest of my time is just internal and yeah pretty much internal not too much external yeah video production
1: oh okay so you help out a lot with like the change of command and retirements and whatnot in the base.
0: Yes, yeah, we do a lot of that.
1: Okay.
0: I want to go and ask you one more active duty question. Did you have any regrets from your active duty time, or did it go pretty, pretty smooth?
1: It went pretty smooth. I have no regrets. Um, I I won't change my experience. Uh, I'm very grateful for it. But I'm also I, I I you know my transition too. I have no regrets from. What I, what my, the moves I've made, I have no regrets. These, are all going according to plan. I'm just kidding, but uh, it, I have, I, I was very grateful. Yeah.
0: That's good. Yeah, world domination is on the horizon for you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so school. Talk to me about school. How's how's school going? And did you get back into uh, Sacramento State, or what are you
1: doing? Okay, so um, I am in the University of Phoenix. So. Initially, I applied for two schools. I applied for San Francisco State and University of Phoenix. Uh, San Francisco State. I was trying to go into their public policy uh, graduate school, Um, and I just wanted to be get involved with local government, state working, you know, working for the state. Uh, So I applied there first. Uh, Sadly, and I'm kind of used to it in my life, I wasn't accepted um they kind of give me the you know we regret to inform you you know your this and that was good but it's just not our standard good luck at your future endeavors so then wow, I, that's brutal yeah so i went to phoenix and they're a little bit more lenient they're not as rigid strict when it comes to applying but still you had to have a bachelor's degree you had to have a certain gpa to come in here so uh they're they it was they they still have a system here that. Is pretty strict. Um, came here, and they're, the best thing about uh, Phoenix is they cater a lot to veterans. So um, they were prepared, they, they knew what type of person I'd be. Like, okay, we handle a lot of veterans. Uh, the Sacramento campus is the biggest campus here in Northern California, um, and a lot of students come here. So it's a, it's, we have a library here, we have a computer lab, uh, study rooms. So coming here, uh the way the program works we do it's actually just once a week so we are on we're on on on-site campus and the way for the VA you actually have to go to school you can if you want to do online that's fine but you won't get the full BAH rate you actually have to go to like a brick and mortar school where you have an attendant right so Phoenix they are their system is already prepared for veterans like they have, a, you come in, you sign in, and then they submit the attendance sheet to the VA. That way they can they can accredit you and they can give you the amount of uh, BH needed. So that depends on how much you show up at school, your attendance. So if you only show up for like uh, out of five classes, you show up for like three classes, you get prorated for that. That's how much you'll get paid. So it is your you know prerogative to go to school every day that go to school so and that's been a challenge a couple times um, I've actually came here I've never missed a class um, because I've tried to get my schedule for flying to, to uh, accommodate my school but there have been times when missions took longer and I actually came to school at night in a flight suit just to sign in Oh, geez. Yeah, because even though I might get like two points off on attendance I needed to get paid so um, if you miss two,
0: But they, they understand, right? They, they do like, understand. Are they able to write, are they able to write sort of, uh, kind of excuse letters or whatnot, just, uh, to, to excuse you of your absence? So I
1: spoke, so we all have a certain, like a career financial and academic advisors. And I told them a situation. that I'm not just a veteran. Like, I'm not just like going to school. I actually, I still serve as a reservist, but my job, it requires me sometimes to leave the country and there could be delays. Uh, do that job and, and the flying, and they understood it. And what happened is, if you miss two weeks of class, they will drop you from the course. Ooh. So, um, so for example, my upcoming mission, my check ride, has to be on a longer mission. And um, luckily, the the mission ends. So my class, sorry, I'm kind of jumping around, but my class schedule. I only to go to school on Mondays. But because of the, they give a lot of homework as a graduate student. And I don't know how people do it that have, you know, full-time jobs, but it's enough to keep me busy for a week. Um, uh, so, like today, I have to start a paper. We do papers every week. So, and we have to do research and whatnot. Um, so, luckily, I don't have to go to school every. There's not a lecture every day, but that one, that Monday, Every Monday I have to be there from 6 to 10 p.m. before our class sign in
0: what's your program
1: uh, my program is a master's in uh, business administration it's a, a very general uh, business course that goes through leadership uh, accounting statistics uh, marketing every big uh, management courses so
0: are you still are you still interested in like public policy stuff? Oh
1: uh, yeah. You know it, it, what the business administration—it's kind of—it's very fluid. It, can, it kind of—it kind of—it can kind of find a lot of different jobs, in at least the admin and uh, kind of area. I can be—they're teaching us to be. If you want to start my own business, they do that too. Entrepreneurship—that's a class too. Yeah. So we we learn about that, but. Uh, If I I, I'm still very interested in state like state federal and local government kind of jobs, so I've been sending I've been on USA Jobs a lot California government jobs.
0: Now you said you said if you miss two weeks of class they drop you from the course. Now would I be right to say that that's detrimental to your? Uh, VA status and all that as well, because you're not going to be a full time student if they drop you, are you?
1: That's correct. So it's very, and I I spoke to my counselor about that, and I said, what happens? You know, like kind of like worst case scenario, there's a mission that just extended longer than it has to be, and I crossed those two weeks. Um, they said that it's kind of like a case by case basis. They, if I were to give like you know, if I gave uh uh, a heads up on what's going on they could fight for me um and kind of keep me in the program longer um but yes it's very detrimental if i just, just miss two courses and it's um to my va and that's why i right now actually this is my last class so i'm not too worried anymore about missing classes i think uh we're able to knock it out but it was a very big problem towards the middle of the the program there were some close calls but i've I've been able to make all my classes. Um, there was one time we landed at 7 p.m. and I called the professor in the plane while we were unloading cargo. Like, I'm here. I will be there. And I arrived at class at 8.30. I was able My the, the load master's like, we got it. Because, you know, you typically, so C-130, you guys usually have two load masters, correct? Uh, That's like.
0: Yeah, it would be one, one or two.
1: One or two. Um, for the C5, we, we have to have at least three qualified loadmasters. But because of people's schedules and everyone's usually like a reservist, they like to put the, put the crew bigger than it has to be. There were eight loadmasters, right? Because everyone is trying to get that up. Those hours in, trying to get their uh, currency hack, they said. So there'd be eight people there to unloading like one car, like a baggage uh Talent, you know, and so it's like I said, hey guys, I think that I can I can I can I hurry up? And then they're pretty cool with it. They understood, so I hopped out, and I was able to get the class in time. But it's it's happened twice, but they, they didn't really freak out about it, so they're they're very lenient.
0: Yeah, they were the professors I had at Arizona State Online. They were they were pretty cool as well because I, yeah. I was in Japan and I was doing mm-hmm. regional around the Pacific uh, kind of reporting. So I would be in, uh, you know, getting ready for a trip to Australia into the outback, yes. you know, camping out with Marines. And I would have to email my professors and say, look, there's a very good chance I am not going to have any access to the internet for two weeks.
1: Exactly. Yes. they're like,
0: all right, we'll work with you when you get back. It's like, okay, sweet. Very easy yeah. to, to work with when you're dealing with military tdys and whatnot they they don't completely
1: understand they don't understand what we do yeah
0: the professors don't completely understand what we're trying to do with these military trips they might think you might be just going on a vacation sometimes true but they, they will definitely work with you in my experience and it sounds like in your experience too yes now what's what's the next step for you how is all this working out the transition you said there's no regrets but Everything's going smooth still, and you're on the right path. Yeah,
1: it's the right path. There, there is a there's a little bit of fear because after I'm finished with the the VA, you know, with going to school, there's gonna be a moment where I'm really gonna have to rely on being a reserve loadmaster while I look for a job. So, um, my program ends in March, and so, for the time being, and as a load, there are people in our squadron who are not professionally employed outside in the civilian world, and they rely on flying. Because the way reserve loadmasters work, they give us pay statuses. So, uh, depending on the mission, so let's say we're going to be doing a big Pacific mission that has, like, we're stopping in five different places. They, the active duty frees up three slots for three loadmasters. Uh, they're called mpa uh i forgot what that stands for but it's mpa's pay status slots to fill this mission so they would give they have two mpa slots for pilots two mpa slots for engineers and three for load masters so there are people who have lived off TDYs and flying for the active duty as a reservist they found ways to continue earning money as a loadmaster, you know, keeping their schedule open and flying because some people don't have like full-time jobs. So that's something that it's going to be kind of like a, there's going to be a momentary lapse where I probably going to be relying on that before I find a full-time gig, like a real career changing thing. So that's something I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but fearful at the same time um, because financially it's going to change. So I'm going to have to make, some accommodations for certain things.
0: Well, it sounds like I'm going to need to make my way back into the loadmaster world. Sounds like a pretty, <laughs> pretty good gig there. So, what kind of jobs? Yeah. Do, oh, what kind of jobs are you looking for, though?
1: So currently, I've just been applying to. I, I went on. Uh, it's called USA Jobs, and I would just type in like admin administration here in California, and it was stuff that deals with scheduling, the office work. It's very general. Um, at the same time, I've been applying for companies that require, like, marketing assistant. Uh, like, I applied for Yelp, Funko. Funko is, like, this toy company. Yeah. Um, yeah, they make the little pop toys. So, I've just been sending it out. Sadly, like, I, I got a reply from the Department of Justice that says, hey, you know, uh, we like your thing, but you're just not qualified in certain points. So, the government, what I've learned from my classmates here, it's it's kind of challenging the apply for the government sometimes because they look for specific things in your resume so I have to constantly keep changing certain words and catering it to that specific job. yeah so, that's
0: something that they did teach me in transition assistance the taps class that yes, yes. you want to cater tailor your resume to the job descriptions yeah. and it's a very valuable tool to, mm-hmm. to have in your in your back pocket. That not everyone's going to do when they're applying to jobs just because it is a lot of work. So a lot of people are going to think, yeah, they don't care about that. Mm. But then they're not going to get the jobs because their computer systems are searching for these keywords. And Exactly. And you're the one that's going to go and put in that extra five minutes to change your resume up and attach it. And you'll get the job because you've got the right keywords.
1: The right keywords. Yeah.
0: It's actually very important, and you wouldn't always think that it is, but just that Mm -hmm. little bit of extra work can go a long way.
1: Some of the people in my class right now, one of them, he, there was a couple of veterans in there, and uh, my class started out with like 13 or 14 people. Now we're like down to four people in the program because a lot of people just dropped the program because of their schedules. Um, They weren't interested anymore. But the veteran, there's one guy, he's in my he's in my group, he is a, uh, he was like medically discharged something like that. So he had the VA, but then now he's on like this other, like, uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's like, a, oh, Volk Rehab. It was like another thing where you just, he, since he was medically discharged and he has a certain percentage on his, uh, uh, he, he's called, it's called vo- vocational rehabilitation.
0: Oh, right.
1: Yeah. So he just goes to school forever. Yeah, depending so, on how long the program
0: is. So they'll help you out, the VA, with your benefits. That's awesome to know.
1: Yeah, definitely. And But the, the thing with the VA is you have to ask the right questions, and you have to be very um, proactive with uh, how your, your paperwork is done and uh, when you get paid. Because, you know, in the military, it, being active duty, sometimes you're used to being kind of like a spoon-fed or your hands held sometimes, people reminding you. Um, but when you get out, no one reminds you anymore, you know. So you have to make the phone calls. You have to make the appointments because there's not going to be a scheduler waiting to do it for you. So that's one thing with the VA; like they'll do it for you, but you have to be, uh, you have to know, let, you have to ask the right questions and
0: be proactive. Yeah, you get it's tough to find the right people to to ask those questions to as well. Yes, but you gotta be dedicated. I guess I've been learning the same kind of things with. Getting my medical records from my previous base. Yes. <laughs> it's not yeah. a very fun Process.
1: It's not. It's not. Uh,
0: you're in the Filipino community. That's correct. And I know you guys are always really tight. I'm just not sure. Do you guys? Do you have any personal uh, passion projects? Any organizations you're involved with since you've uh, left active duty? Anything like that?
1: Oh, truthfully, I haven't. You know. Um, okay. I. I'm, yeah. I, I'm not.
0: You don't uh, have time for that, man.
1: No, no. When I was, when we were like, you know, dependent, you know, when we were kids, we were part of like that, the local Filipino American community on, on the base. But after that, I just kind of did my own I kind of got very discouraged when I went to college. I was looking forward to doing something like that. But uh, some of the members of that Filipino club weren't very inviting. So that kind of gave me like a, it kind of made, it gave me a sour taste in my mouth. So um, I ended up not being part of a lot of the big Filipino movements and everything. Yeah, it's been kind of an a little bit of an internal struggle sometimes. Uh, being a Filipino American, and there sometimes there's sort of a competition sometimes. And so I kind of just like you know what I'm just, I'm going to take care of my priorities, my family. Uh, my 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 dad and my mom they're part of like an older community of Filipinos. Uh, that they associate with over in the Bay Area, but it's not really like for every. It's just like for the older folks.
0: Hmm. So is that sort of uh, not camaraderie, but that kind of organizational thing? Is that kind of falling apart with the generations?
1: It's it's changed. Um, you know, it's it's so different now with uh, how the generations have changed, with all the activism and cultural, like letting everybody know about their culture because I th- everyone has their own interpretation of the culture. Uh, and the big thing is like, there's a big difference between that Philipp- grew up here in the States and Filipinos who migrated here from the Philippines. They have two different perspectives and it's kind of hard to get everyone in the same picture. Um, I've always struggled because I was a Filipino American with my dad but I was a military kid and we moved around a lot. And um, there was never enough time to really um, you know, set up with the, cause when I came to the States, when I came to college here, I was a lot different than the military, the Filipino kids that grew up here in California. Like, I almost felt like we were speaking different languages in a way. Like, we just knew different things. Um, And I felt a little bit more closer Uh, with, sometimes with Filipinos from the Philippines, but still, I didn't grow up in the Philippines. So I was almost like in the middle of everything, you know. Um so it was hard for me to associate sometimes with certain clubs in on campus. Um in the base when an active duty, we didn't have a very strong Filipino American community club type thing. I had Filipino friends, but it wasn't as solid as when I was when I was a dependent. The the Filipinos during my dad's generation, they came from the Philippines, they were a lot solid compared to the Filipino. American children who grew up, and it became active duty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it has been a big thing, and I, I not per se. I hate. I I don't dislike the Filipino. I'm not saying I don't dislike the clubs. I just I I don't find it as a priority of mine to really get involved and in, with them at the moment, at least.
0: <laughs> That's making me kind of think about the veterans' organizations too. We had a VFW yeah okay. right outside. Right outside of the base in San Angelo. Yes. And I went and I, I did a story or two with those guys um, when I was stationed there because I actually, <laughs> during PT, our physical training sessions in the mornings, yeah. I would spend like 10 minutes in the gym and then I'd go sit in the sauna <laughs> and I'd end up sitting in the sauna for an hour with uh, two older veterans from like the Vietnam era yes, who were very heavily involved with the VFW. And they would always talk to me about these uh, younger kids who are just stuck on the base and they don't ever get out. And all they need to do is go down to the VFW and talk to all these other older vets and share experiences and stories and get a free meal. Yes. Yes. And they, they were like almost begging to get people in their doors so they could you know, not just broaden their organization and get their membership up, but just so they could have people to talk to with the same experiences.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: But I think that's still sort of fading away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We kind of I don't know, I guess sometimes we alienate each other with different experiences and Sure.
0: I don't know what kids want these days. I don't
1: know.
0: they want likes
1: on their Instagram. They do. They do. The BuzzFeeds and okay. whatnot.
0: And Tide Laundry Detergent Pods.
1: You know, I didn't know that was I didn't know that was a problem.
0: The Tide Detergent? I didn't know people were eating that stuff.
1: It's getting awful.
0: It's so out of this world bizarre. I don't understand it. You got kids putting detergent in bongs and uh, just Oh I didn't chewing them in their
1: mouths and I didn't know that. You know it's it, out of you hand. know how we, you know, when we grew up, you know, you play truth and dare. I feel like no. it's like. <laughs> <laughs> we have a different childhood. But I feel like it's like a truth or dare online. And they're just kind of like who can do the coolest thing and whatnot. The dumbest thing. Yeah. You know.
0: Who can do the dumbest thing? You had to before just uh, hide your detergent pods from yeah. the kids, the toddlers, you know, and the babies. But now you've got to hide them from your teenagers. Because they're going to. Who can actually go out and buy the detergent themselves at the store down the street?
1: They're going to make it viral. They're going to put it online. So weird. I remember YouTube when we were in high school. I know it was just starting. All I remember, like, YouTube was just made for, like, those funny funny videos and, like, skateboard bales. You know, like people falling off the skateboard. You know, like, giant noxical stuff. That's what I thought YouTube yeah. was about. But now people are just. Doing their
0: own stuff now. <laughs> They're doing everything
1: on YouTube. Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you. Uh, did you? You must be. Did you keep in touch with the news about that Logan Paul, that uh, the guy who took a video of the suicide?
0: See, I really try to go out of my way to avoid a lot of this stuff. Yeah. That is circulating in the news. Yeah. And on the social medias, but. I did catch that cuz it was a pretty big story. Yeah. Um so so when I was at work, you know, I kind of got roped into it a little bit. Yeah. It's crazy. I watched a video yesterday and that kid is so offensive and his following is absurdly dedicated.
1: Exactly. And but- it, it makes you want to want to reexamine YouTube and how they have, can they? How do they control their, their talents or whatnot? Their people that post. You know, if he can do that, then I'm sure anyone else can. So that's it's.
0: Well, that's the that's, the problem. Is yeah. is this a free speech issue? Like, yeah, can he do that and offend people? And I saw this other video of it was like a montage of him doing all this stupid all these activities in,
1: oh. Japan, in Tokyo. Yeah, you said, if you thought that was bad, check this out. I was like, oh my God. It was the Gaijin Smash, the one you said. Gaijin Smash.
0: Gaijin Smash. Yes. yes. <laughs> you remember that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's... I mean, I'm not going to go into all of the issues that we've had with Japan, you know, oh, yeah. the, stemming from Okinawa and the Marines down there, the Navy Reservists that came in Mm-hmm. And uh, did some horrible things that put us on a curfew, yeah. But when you have those kinds of problems mm-hmm. with our military over there, and then you bring in some idiot kid, mm-hmm. they're really not gonna like us,
1: not at all, <laughs> not
0: at all. Gives us a big black eye, it just reinforces but, it, yeah. Okay, is there anything else that uh, you want to talk about? I mean, we've we've covered quite a bit. What's what's the rest of your day like? What do you got going on? You've got this study day.
1: I'm going to be studying, and then that's pretty much it. And then tomorrow I'm going to be doing a reserve job too. I'm um, you know, do you, you know that the, I'm you know when you go to to your UTA, the one that logs you in. Yes. That's my job, and I'm like the UTA scheduler too. So on the weekdays, I go there, and people that want to reschedule their UTAs to a different time, they give in paperwork Well, I do all the data entry and payroll stuff too for the squadron so that's that's going to be my 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 next couple days <laughs> i see yeah and that then, sounds kind of kind of fun though yeah they, they pay me for it and everything so it's like a little <laughs> it's like a, it's a part-time game yeah i'm
0: sure it can get older can. so that's dom I had to let him get back in the books. He was uh, very nice enough to take a break from studying to record this conversation. So I thank him for that. And I thank you for listening and supporting the Boots Off podcast. The BOP is still on Twitter, still on Facebook. We are on iTunes and now Google Play. So please continue to listen, join me every month, and spread the word if you can. I'm always looking for future guests if you are interested. Or if you know someone who might be interested in coming on and talking about their military experiences, what led them to the military, how they transitioned out of the military, and, you know, the success and failures even that they're finding these days post-military service. So just send me a message over one of the social accounts, like I said, Twitter, Facebook, however you can get a hold of me. And uh, stay tuned for the next Boots Off podcast coming next month in February.